0: Hi, and welcome to series two of the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast. Every week, we will talk to the great, the good, and the legendary from the worlds of food, drink, marketing, and business to help give you the advice that will really help your brand boom. A huge thanks to our headline sponsors, the award-winning Engage Interactive, who've been helping hospitality businesses like yours prepare for a mobile and digital first world since 2007. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Really great to see an old friend today, and it's been too long uh, since we've last caught up, and it is Mr. Simon Wilkinson, who is now the CEO at Byron, but before that did some great work consulting on quite a few brands, then CDG, Casual Dining Group, before that, and then I guess most famously, LaTasca Turnaround, and the successful sale we could have talked for an awful long time uh, just great stuff on what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a CEO what it means to turn around a business how you should hire what you can do to, to stop the flow of cash uh, you know, out of a business hemorrhaging and he's had to do that multiple times so I think he was blushing a little bit but I really would see him as certainly one of the, the leading turnaround guys and turnaround kings in the industry so Doing another great job, really excited to see what he and the team are going to do at Byron. But he's made, as far as we can see, you know, all the right surgical moves for something that could be really super successful. I really hope you enjoy the episode. He's fabulous to talk to, so knowledgeable. And also, it's a no-holds-barred, no-punches-pulled, really honest account of his career, the market and also where he's at right now. So it gives me the most better burger pleasure ever to introduce actually an old friend, um, Mr. Amazing Simon Wilkinson, CEO, no less, of Byron. Good morning, Mark. Good pleasure, morning.
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to get out of the rain. Pleasure to get out of the rain and the puddles. It's <laughs> been horrible. And also, am I right in saying is it Byron or is it Byron Hamburgers? Byron Burgers. What, what do you call it when you're out uh, and about? We just call it
1: Byron. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We've, uh, we've dropped the proper hamburgers. You have. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because um, we do so much more than hamburgers. Yeah. Um, you know, vegan is. Uh, 15% of our business, mm-hmm. um, we've got new menu items coming up, which we'll talk about later, so I think it Great. was, uh, we've adopted the uh, slogan proper food, rather than proper hamburgers.
0: Interesting, do you know I think I was on, oh, be like sort of Piccadilly kind of area, Yeah. and has that had a re um, I've just changed the signage on it. Th- that's what, I, yeah, I did
1: notice actually, yeah. so yeah, no, Last I did Last week, notice. we just changed the signage as uh-huh. a trial, see what happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, it signaled change and look different, that's so good. That, that's good. Yeah, that's good. you know, and I noticed
1: that more than the plethora of other things that are around, so yeah. that's, that's no, good. No, it's got two uh, neon orange-ish <laughs> signs it never had before, and a uh, new logo, uh, so yeah, no, it looks good, new canopies.
0: Great, great. Well, we will go into Byron, obviously, absolutely, in, in, in a big way um, to talk about it, because it's such a loved and revered brand, so, you know, we'll talk about the, the comeback, and the comeback kids, and, you know... Just leading that better burger category again, which is really exciting, and all the measures you've put in. But let's go back, um, not in you know when you were in shorts at school and all that stuff, but back a bit, um, because it's been quite an amazing journey so far. Not that you're retiring yet, but you know, for you to then rise up to being, you know, senior and CEOs and all this of all these other
1: wonderful brands. But where did it kind of start? I think when I was really young. Uh, so when I did wear shorts for school, <laughs> um, I was fortunate to stay in quite a few hotels, and um, I say, "This is a great place to work." Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite realising that staying in a hotel and working in a hotel were polar opposite. <laughs> um, and then I suppose my first foray into industry. Uh, my parents had a pub up in Lancashire, so I would I would uh, wash up yeah. on a Sunday lunch without a without a uh, dishwasher. Uh, by hand in the sink and then that graduated to glass collecting in front of house and waiting on and bar the work and that's how it all kicked off really so yeah I'm uh, old enough to say I've been in it about 38 years now is it really yeah geez frightening looking well on it thank you (laughs) (laughs) moisturizer moisturizer (laughs) so uh, you know just
0: flipping forward a, a bit then you know you were from that side of the bar and, and and in venue and all that stuff. What was then the path into sort of the more management positions and and things like that? What happened? Yeah.
1: I, um, I went to Union studied hotel catering and institutional management. It was called Mm. in those days, um, and when I graduated, I applied to various sort of big corporates to be on their graduate management training mm-hmm. program. Um, and I was fortunate to get selected by what was Trust House Forte in those oh, days, yeah, I which remember. then morphed into Forte Hotels. And it was the first year they did an international management scheme, which sounded very exciting for a boy who'd never come out of Lancashire. Um, did that mean Milton Keynes? Uh, <laughs> luckily not. <laughs> so... Um, I got selected as one of the 10 UK students, and there was 15 from, um, you know, places like Lucerne and all these glamorous yeah. international students. And the 25 us did a year-long course, uh, which uh, sort of was working in three different properties in every single department. So uh, I was fortunate to spend a bit of time in Portugal, mm-hmm. um, London, and then I came back to London, uh, finishing uh, not too far away at Brands Hotel on Albemarle Street. Yeah. So I did everything from chamber-maiding, uh, chefing... Yeah. Uh, waiting on uh, reception personnel, yeah. as it was called in those days. Personnel, no. yeah. HR was uh, not been invented. Not human uh, remains, yeah. No, no. <laughs> uh, Etc. Cetera, et cetera. So it was mm. a great ground. It, it was incredibly hard work. Uh, a lot of hours. And then um, I got, ho- luckily, got selected to go and work in their flagship, which was the Grosvenor House Hotel. Yeah. So I did five years there. Did you really? That must yeah. have been fascinating. Yeah. I think in those days god i'm something like my dad um <laughs> you know at the age of 21 you're in charge of a hotel the publicans were there last night so you've got functions for 1500 people in yeah. your ballroom in those days we used to get ira bomb threats uh, yeah. early hours of the morning i'd be ch- checking out ladies of the night you'd be doing night audit and then you'd have to get changed at sort of you know 6:30 a.m into your morning suit to greet people before you clocked off yeah. so it was a full-on 12 hours you know seven days seven nights on mm three days off it was it was a hard Mm -hmm. hard slog for very little money and just in terms of
0: that um that brings you to hospitality as well very little money but you know in terms of the the hotel itself and the brand and and all that was there something sort of drummed into you about the values
1: and what you were representing and and what it stood for and and these types of things yeah absolutely there was an inordinate amount of training Mm. Uh, we even had a training course on grooming and how you should present yourself and how you should look and it was about driving standards. So those standards never leave you. you yeah. Know? Uh, you know, I had a brand standard when I was on duty. An ashtray couldn't be dirty in the lobby for more than two minutes without it being changed. Right. Um, and you just have to live and breathe those standards. And you know, you are, you are the brand for that. Mm-hmm. Twelve hours, you're, you're the duty manager. Yeah. That's amazing. Any gossip? Any stars you saw and oh. fun stuff and, or. Yes. anything you can shoot.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think what, what, there was an 80's pop man who had, he had a suite on New Year's Eve and I can see him he was called Ben something and he used to wear a was it curiosity killed the Car. that's it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, we had to check him out for um, actually we got. he wouldn't answer the door and I broke in with security about four in the morning because the music was so loud <gasps> he was in bed with two girls and uh, there was a lot of drugs and uh, we gave him ten minutes to pack yeah yeah ten minutes who <laughs> hoover up <laughs> yeah <laughs> indeed oh that's
0: good cool and then but w- w- within the hotel as well was there any part of it you were
1: more drawn to than anything else um i suppose like in hotel world i stayed in terms of front of house and rooms mm. um room management because uh, then i graduated to run their apartments there they had 144 apartments which was like a separate hotel within a hotel mm-hmm. um but no i loved it all you know i love working in the different restaurants and um you know, having a gossip with a uh, Caribbean uh, night chef about cricket. You know, I just, yeah. it, yeah. you just, uh, you, 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 like a sponge, you just take in as much as you can at that age. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. But, and then what happened? I got a call actually from uh, uh, a lady headhunter who I saw the other day on the street, the enough. So oh. all those years later. And um, I went and got a job as a number two in the West Indies. So oh. I ditched the uh, evening suit and morning suit for. Bermuda shorts and uh, a polo shirt. And I went and worked out in the West Indies for three years. Wow. Yeah. That must have been incredible. Yeah, it's very different. You're going from a massive corporate environment to, uh, you know, being number two in a smallish hotel, boutique hotel, and you're importing all your food. You're trying to train people who've never really been to school. Mm -hmm. Um, You're doing everything. You're sourcing menu items. You're working with the head chef on the menu for the week. Um, So you're thinking on your feet rather than being dictated to by a, a big corporate conglomerate. And was it just a slower pace of? It was life? a slower pace of life. Yeah, uh, you worked six days um, and you had one day off, mm. so you had a night off and then a day. Um, but you call it work, you know. It was most idyllic locations. You're dealing with people who are on holiday. It's of yeah. a certain um, demographic. You'd sit down and have dinner with you know over two weeks. If someone's staying two weeks. Um, which people used to do in those days yeah. in one place. Um, you develop friendships, and you know they'd write you letters when they got home, and you know it was um, it was great. Brilliant. And then back to London from there. Yeah, I think um, anyone who's ever been an expat, you, you you get to a stage where you either commit to doing this for the rest oh. of your life, or you actually have to come back to the real world. And um, I looked around, and a lot of the expats were pretty much alcoholics or pasty, and just spent their time in bars and working. Right. And uh, I came back, and there was an advert in I think it was the Times. a Telegraph, for Whitbread Trainee Area Managers, mm-hmm. and uh, went off on an assessment day, and luckily got selected. Was that like Luton or something? It was based in Luton, yeah. Mm. And they had Whitbread inns in those days, so they had um, southeast, southwest, northeast, northwest. So I was based out of Marlow in uh, oh yeah, uh-huh. the southwest corridor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's great, great time. I must admit, I think it was the second Wednesday. I was back, and it was absolutely pissing it down <laughs> and I was on my induction and I was in a pretty rough pub in Essex and they'd had a robbery and I was thinking what the hell am I doing here yeah. I, you know I should have why have I let go of the beach in a five star hotel grabbing <laughs> your can of lout <laughs> crying yeah, thinking what <laughs> am I doing but you no know, uh you know in those days uh, it was a great place to learn and develop yeah. and had a fantastic culture and um, real school of excellence yeah right? it was fantastic and i worked for ted kennedy who he was the md at the time he uh-huh. was uh, still around yeah i became training manager and then area manager and it was great and then i just moved my way up really joined snn um who had just bought Greenalls. So where i first worked with steve richards and i worked in hr actually doing recruitment for them and then you went to the dark side dark side <laughs> back into operations uh, around pubs in central London, which was a fantastic experience. Yeah, uh, nice did you pitch. work with Robin Rowland at SNN or CUA no, by No, no, I never worked with Robin there. Uh, he might have been in a different part of the business, but he wasn't there when I was there. I
0: think there was, and he maybe ended up international or something. Yeah, he done. I mean, you know.
1: who who was if you think about who's been CEOs just in my um little group of people who were out, just Rob Pitcher was a colleague, uh-huh. uh, Toby Smith, um. Yeah, that's three. All in yeah, the same yeah. uh, all in the same regions.
0: So. I think it's something that needs to happen at some point. The family tree of hospitality. There's a <laughs> there's a there's a birds I'm sure it's a birds album. And you open it up and it's the lineage of everyone that's been in you know, Crosby Stills and Nash, Grateful really? Dead, and it's all it all sort of is that six degrees of separation? Yeah, but, you no, know, it's fascinating. It's so it's not incestuous, but it's all so linked up that yeah. Everyone's worked with everyone, and you know, so it's, it's quite, it's quite, nice. it's one of the charms of being in this industry, right? Absolutely. It's a very small industry. Nice family. Never burn bitches. Never be a bad lever. <laughs> try, try not to. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. As the finance experts in hospitality, BDO have the experience and the insight to provide solid foundations for your business's future growth. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed. If you're in need of a dedicated transactional team bolstered with corporate finance, audit and tax services, Talk to BDO, who've got the right expertise, knowledge and experience to drive your restaurant or bars business throughout their full life cycle. As thought leaders across the sector, BDO offers commercial and technical updates specifically tailored to restaurants and bars, including their annual hospitality reports. BDO also have a well-established network in the industry that spans across finance directors, suppliers and advisors and they are always willing to use this to their clients and their contacts' advantage. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how they can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Yeah, so then from... from that side of things then, what, what were you sort of moving on up into next? Did that bridge you into CDG
1: areas or was it before um, that? No, I worked, um, I, had a, I had a few more roles and then I was running a business in the UK um, called Coote Food Group. So okay. I was a UK CEO, I was called, um, I was called COO. Um, and we had a real plethora of brands. We had Maison Blanc um, with Raymond. Uh, so we had shops, but we also had a factory. Uh, which was interesting, running a factory. Um, we were the second largest franchisee of Burger Kings at the time mm-hmm. in the UK. We had Cha Cha Moon, which Alan Yow oh, yeah. collaborated with us on. Where, uh, was, where was that again? White? Uh, Ganton Street in um, just around the corner. Did they not have one as well in we Whiteley's? White, we had a second one in Whiteley's. I remember. I was next yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Kitchen Attire with Jamie Barber. Um, so we had, yeah, quite a mixture of uh, brands um, and... Uh, I was about two years and managed to turn that business around it was losing heavily mm. um i won't go into the uh the finances that's of right. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say we it was overspent on capex and uh, operated at a very large loss so we managed to get that back to break even um and then that's when i was approached by the tasco mm. um, and met with counting and we separated that out of uh, uh stonegate um, was that who it was it was Stonegate yeah. right okay so Stonegate had it in uh, Bay Restaurant Group so they had right. um, Ha Ha which they'd just sold yeah. to M&B um, Slug and Lettuce and Tasca. right um, so we took Tasca separate and then Slug joined their
0: pub division and what did you face when you went in there with Tasca? what was going
1: on because you are kind of the yeah, around King right it was so. um, it had been you know heavy decline for three years they'd, they'd put a lot of heavy discounts in to try and turn it around, mm. but it had still declined and declined. So they had all you can eat for a tenner on a Wednesday and a Sunday, I think it was. They were 50% off, pretty much public facing all the time, mm. two for one. Um, the food was of a very poor, low quality. Mm. It's about 85% frozen in microwave. microwave. Um, they'd had a central kitchen up in Salford. Um, uh, the people were pretty disenfranchised. I got 82 complaint letters in my first week. Oh. Um, so it was pretty broken on most fronts to be yeah. honest um but the bank captain were very supportive um and we we consciously took a lot of the heavy discounts out but there was a lot of pain for yeah. 12 months um and obviously we changed lots of the people separated it away from business um worked with uh, a new exec chef anthony bennett who's now at loungers and we went to spain and source food through suppliers worked with fresh direct and um we managed to change, you know, most of the food to eighty five percent fresh, uh, improve the quality of the product without putting the prices up because we sourced very well. Yeah, um, took out a couple of middlemen, and um, the final piece in jigsaw we had to do a CVA. Right. Okay. Which, um, Before it was known yeah, what that was. Almost. We we did that purposely on the Tuesday after the bank holiday of the London Olympics, in the hope that nobody would turn up. Um, to oppose it, if we're being honest. Uh, And the only person who didn't turn out was myself because I got sick. Oh, no. (laughs) So I was in bed with stress. I got a stomach ulcer and all sorts. It was horrible. Um, But we managed to pass that through. Uh, The team uh, did a good job in my absence. And um, from that day onwards, once we came out of the CVA, we just went in three... Three years of light, flight growth. Yeah, well, I, I really remember that, and you know, it was a bit. You were a bit of a
0: gang, I think. You know, but with everyone that you had, and we we spoke at that time as yeah. well about different things. Yeah. So you had, you know, some really good sort of cheer people involved. You yeah. had yourself, you had James, um, you know, and 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 it just felt like a real wrecking crew that was, was just going to go in to sort it out. You well, know, we
1: managed to really get a really good culture. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, the air managers once we changed them they stayed with us all four years you know we didn't have any levers um at a very small we only had four people in the office mm-hmm. we, we run a very low cost model um but we built a really good feeling we knew all the gms we mm-hmm. knew all the chefs and it was a real it, it created a sort of family business and everyone was on the bus yeah uh, and you know it's very special when you get that in a business well it, it's just
0: a marketer's dream as well, yes. you know, if, if someone's saying let's change this up or let's redefine it or, you know, and it's very rare that you get those um, but looking back then, did you draw on anything from LaTasca's origins? Because I remember was there not quite a purple patch when John Barnes was involved? Was that not kind of the when good it, times, it, right?
1: Yeah, there was good times when James Huller and um, John was involved yeah. and uh, Mary um, Great and book uh, that as well the, and then There the was a big, cereal, yeah. a big bidding war for it was though so when Campton bought it, uh, I, may, I may be a million out, but it was something in the region of twenty 120, and twenty-three oh, million outbid yeah. uh, Tragos for it um, with the uh, uh, Chetnik brothers. The yep. who are back. Funny enough, he was on my flight to Miami last week. Is that right? Yeah. Um, were you going out to see Beckham's game? No, no, no. I just had that part <laughs> uh, for five days, but I did. Lovely. Reckon, I did recognise him up in upper class, and his kids were in premium. Really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yes, yeah, so you know, it had a very heyday, and then obviously it went went um, into Stonegate, which before that was called something else, which name escapes me. It came out of Whitbread, um, and I think you know, I think Ian Payne and Suzanne Osborne, you know, I admit they, they just never managed to get to grips with it. Mm. Um, and you know, very successful pub operators, and they knew the model for that, and they just couldn't quite get the Tusker to to work. Yeah, and clearly, when you've been through a heyday, and they've you know the originators have left it sort of went on a bit of a downturn and downturn and it sort of spiraled you know down and that was a time when they paid for it that restaurants were all very sexy and you yeah. got better multiples than pubs and um they converted a lot of failed hogsheads and yates's wine lodge into latascas mm-hmm. so when i took it over we had these cavernous spaces that were half empty yeah. most of the week and that really was the ones we put through the cva over rented yeah. the pitch had changed yeah. and and letasca felt like a warm intimate close brand Correct. so to have
0: it in that yeah. you've seen cavernous glass bowl whatever it is it's like flies in the face yeah, a little two bit two
1: floors massive you know you can you know it was um, it just didn't work mm. um so luckily we you know the cva enabled us to clean up the estate yeah and then we counting we generated some cash we could invest and in, we sort of in you know, change the logo and uh, freshened it up and we didn't have major capex, so we basically did a program where we shut on sunday night uh spent 25 grand painted the externals changed the logo did what we could inside and trained the team and reopened on a wednesday or a thursday yeah and we did one a week hmm um, and how many was there, sorry? We had finished off with about 44. Okay. And we had 64. I think we put about 20 through the CVA. And then we had five sites out in the US, which was performing really well as well.
0: Oh, that's cool. Are they still around? Are they still alive? No, they just closed the last one
1: a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Javier, who runs the US, is always still sending me messages and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I think... Um, that model worked for us and mm. um you know the food was good and we managed we did a lot of work on a with a sales team we brought in an in-house sales team so we were you know sangria making parties at hen yeah. parties we christmas we had four years of christmas growth with a lot of pre-book business and yeah. um yeah we, it was a good ride well there was a couple of great things i, I saw you do
0: as well and i think we actually Went out to them together, but you had like the little bar on St James or James Street. Oh, so downstairs, you, yeah. yeah. We just—it it felt like its own little thing. Yeah. Was
1: quite cool. And then, did you not open a bar in its own right? Was it Brighton? You were looking at or something. We opened a uh, Beata in uh, Brighton. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we had the other another brand called Lavina as well. Uh-huh. So we did a few quickers into Hall, which was a Tragus Spanish brand name for escapes me. We bought that off them and then we created the only, well, our, our wine list was just Rioja's. Right. So we created a little Rioja bar upstairs at James Street. We put downstairs a wine and hamon bar. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and it was just trying things. And we actually created bars within the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we had sangria bars, we had a gin bar, um, and it was just sweating the asset and, yeah. you know, trying to get that vertical business in as much as the sit down and eat business. Yeah. And
0: I think also it was the first time, the one in Covent Garden, um, I think it was the first time I'd seen like you either had some sort of gin still thing going on, or you had tank beer, or you'd both.
1: Um, we 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 put in tanks which everyone thought had our sangria in it. Right? Yeah. Okay. but they, they were fake. Yeah, but a theatre. <laughs> but it did but make you stop and look. Yeah. yeah you know,
0: it, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So just going through that, then, I mean, in terms of like KPIs and stuff, for you to know your job was done, what what were the turnaround sort of
1: KPIs really? to, to I get I think it I think it was all about. Um, getting the business back into sales growth mm-hmm. without putting in heavy discounts yeah um and then we, as I say, we managed to maintain uh, improve the quality of the food but maintain the g p without mm. putting the price up so we didn't put our price up in three years, i think, and you know we we once you get those metrics and you start getting the top line our you know our profit growth was quite substantial, yeah um and we were lucky we managed to sell the business c d g in august 15 and i think we were the last deal that got through because she she probably fell through about four six weeks later Mm. um ed steiner fell through a couple of months later um which i'd been asked to go and uh, run on the other side actually great and then
0: you're moving on from there so you you went into the mothership yeah for a bit
1: cdg bought as i say bought us i had um a couple of offers one was the eds which i didn't take and then there was a chance to work in private equity, which Ooh. is a funny story in that uh, it was a job Roland was taking, um, but then the Yo Sushi deal fell through. Right. So I was offered the tri-span role. Oh, okay. Um, so I met with Steve and Martin, the chairman at CDG, and said, look, I, I want to leave in January. And they said, look, we'd like you to stay. And made an offer to me, and I sort of mulled it over Christmas and then um, decided to stay, actually. And I mm. turned down the tri-span role. And... Quite a few of my team stayed in when they were um, they were converting all the sites into other brands, yeah. and I, I just I felt bad walking away. I suppose. Yeah, no, I can understand that.
0: And also getting the band back together. You're back with Steve. Yeah, lovely stuff. He's going to come on the podcast soon, I think. So Very that'll soon. be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and then so what was the plan with the CDG,
1: CDG job? Then you know, in terms of what what good looked like, what success. Yeah, like. um, I think obviously the they we had a list of the Latasca sites mm-hmm. and it was, they, the plan was to convert virtually three quarters of them mm-hmm. keep the very 10 top 11 heavy ebitda making sites but some of the other conversions you know works incredibly well blue water which was a great site for us um, they converted that into bella and you know it, it was their th- highest million pound ebitda site mm-hmm. they were you know it did ph- phenomenally well others didn't do as well um and, you know, we all had different opinions on a couple of sites where I thought maybe that should have been a Las Iguanas or a Belgo yeah. and they made a Bella because obviously the metrics, you know, uh, the GP on pasta and pizza compared to Hamon and uh, yeah. uh, prawns and uh, canvas etc. They could make, if they kept the sales level, they could make about 10% more profit. Right. Makes so sense. it So what they paid for it and what they spent, it, it did work out as a good deal for all parties. Mm. So
0: what you're obviously gathering experience mm. and as you're going on and as i say you're kind of the turnaround guy these days which is great what were your sort of pillars what what had you learned then you know in terms of in your armory or in your your locker to say right the next job that i do i know all the levers to pull you know and also leadership i'm really interested in as well because leading people ain't easy
1: no it's not and i think um I think you, you learn every day in terms of leadership Mm -hmm. and you know, you, you've got to flex your style for the, for the individuals, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, and there is no magic button. It's, you know, any, in any walk of life, I think managing people and building relationships is what makes the world go round, Mm -hmm. And, um, you've got to really see life from their goldfish ball and what's in it for them. And, um, you can never, you never always get it right. You can't, you can't motivate and engage with people. And there'll always be people who don't want to work for you. Um, and there'll always be people who don't like your style or what you stand for. So I think it's a, it's work in progress is leadership. But I think for me, you've just got to set really clear goals and objectives and share a vision of where you want to take the business Mm. and say that this is where we want to go. It's never going to be smooth. There'll be ups, there'll be downs, but this is the vision. Um, Do you want to get on the bus or not, really? Yeah. Um, And you've got to make decisions quite early because what you can't afford is um, to have people on the bus who don't really want to be on the bus because that in itself breeds negativity and damages the culture.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that can just be really
1: badly infectious. Yeah,
0: yeah. Looking back, before we talk about Byron a bit more and and some Mm. other bits and bobs, um, did you have a favourite you know, in terms of the the brands that you worked on, is there one that you favorite um,
1: favorite brand favorite that, job that you worked on? Yeah, um, I think my favorite job was definitely area manager for Scotch and Newcastle what Was because I had their sort of prime area of Mayfair, Knightsbridge, Victoria. So I could I could walk my nineteen pubs in a day.
0: Great, yeah, yeah.
1: And we just had a great culture there, and it was a really fun time. Um, I suppose brand I've got I've got to say La Tasca, because you know. It made me successful mm-hmm. uh, on a number of fronts, and you know when you're putting five years into a into a brand and you know there was days in the other days where cash flow we were negative and you know I was not sleeping and you'd ring the finance start to stay, and are you know a pound from going bankrupt on many occasions yeah. um and you go through the highs and lows and you know the stress, but actually. You know, if you keep persevering with your with what you think you want to do, and I think it's it's when there's no other option, there's no going back. Yeah. Uh, and you read quite a few books. You know, you read brampton's all Warfare about the early days of Virgin, and I'm not putting myself in the same bracket, but I'm just doing a yeah. comparable type of uh, view. But if you know, you've just got to. You have so many low points, and actually, when you come out the other side, it it's so rewarding. Mm-hmm. um So I think yeah, I'd
0: have to say the tasca Yeah. Did you have a favourite dish there? What was your go-to when you were eating there and things like
1: that? Oh, well. The, um Anthony and I, we were out in Barcelona when we were trying to change the food and meat suppliers, and we went to a tapas bar there, and we had a, a version of egg and chips. Oh, really? Right. Which, which was basically the, the um, chips with um, a, a sort of spicy tomato and a mayonnaise on and then a fried egg on top and the waiter put it down on the table and cut the yolk, and the yolk...
0: Spilled, into, spilled the chips. into the
1: chips and the uh, spicy tomato sauce and mayonnaise, and we put it on we put it on um, the tasca as well, and it's just the most simple but mm. indulgent dish.
0: <laughs> Good. So then,
1: uh, after C D G,
0: a wee bit of a hiatus, and you're know, a bit of consulting here and there, and yeah. different bits and bobs. Was there much in there that was you know, sort of worth talking about? Yeah, in, you know, I think, what happened um, in that spell.
1: I left C D G Easter of eighteen, and obviously we had the nicest summer ever. And yes. England got to the World Cup semi-final. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was like, this is fantastic. I could have picked a better time oh, yeah, to be yeah. off. Um, and then um, I, I was contacted by a Carlisle group, and they were looking at buying some hospitality businesses. Mm-hmm. So um, they asked me to come on board and do some consultancy and CEO designate and... Um, that was great because you know i'd work sometimes i'd work a whole week and then at times you know they didn't need me for a couple of weeks so it 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 was a very fortuitous connection really and um we they'd bought 40 million of debt of pretzo yes and we were looking at um trying to take control of that business and um for various reasons uh, it didn't happen and Mm -hmm. that they managed to get out of profit and then um show came on the market and uh, they said, well, do you want to have a look at that with us? So uh, I looked it. at that and we were the highest bidders first time round for that business. But um, the process then wanted a second round and they didn't want to do it in a second round. They right. just wanted to get on with it. Hi, I'm Alex from
2: Engage and thanks for tuning in to the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Each week we'll be bringing you a great tip to supercharge your own digital marketing and this week's comes from Shri, our head of SEO. Search is ever-changing. You can be top of the rankings one day and in the proverbial graveyard the next. One tactic that can have big results is updating your best performing informational content and blog posts so they continue to rank highly. People are always searching for things in new and creative ways, which can make the great content you published six months ago fairly out of date unless you keep making sure it remains relevant to what your customers are looking for. To get started, first find out which pages get the most organic visits from your Google Analytics. Then, for each page, perform your own Google search on its main search keywords. Look for the People Also Ask section on the results page are you answering the questions on your page? If not, add them in. Scroll down to the bottom of the Google results and see what related searches are worth mentioning in your content. This is also a great place to get ideas for additional content too. As a bonus, do you see a featured snippet at the top of the Google results? This is where Google shows an excerpt of a website's content, usually answering the search in a succinct way. If one exists, make sure you structure your page in a similar way to the snippet, so your content has the opportunity to be shown instead. These few tweaks to your content should start seeing you earn more traffic from Google in a matter of days. If you need any more help getting your site at the search rankings, then head over to engageinteractive.co.uk forward slash podcast, where you can see how we've helped some of the UK's most ambitious and successful hospitality brands with their own digital marketing strategies. Cheers, and enjoy the rest of the episode. So,
0: the B word, Byron and Mm -hmm. Burgers. So, what happened there then?
1: Um, I think the brand was unlike the task of the brand had great consumer feedback yep. and that was a massive part of our work at the trying to change the PR and the perception of the brand took a long time. Mm-hmm. Not saying we ever fully got there. Mm. Um, so I thought, well, that's a big tick. If you've got that going in, really. in, in your, in your favor, you know, everyone you spoke to does, you know, Byron does a great milkshake, maybe lost its way a bit, but still a great burger and the feedback was very positive. Um, I wanted a challenge i really loved doing the non-exec and the consultancy but i just thought you know i'd probably want to do another ceo job um and as i said i got on well with the owner so it sort of ticked the three boxes mm. really um and that persuaded me to come on board yeah and what did
0: you find when you got there so how many sites what was the kind of temperature of the room you know what what was all going on when you got there
1: yeah where to start um I found, obviously I, had, I found a business that had not had a CEO for six months, mm-hmm. which is never healthy because then people are stepping up or you, you get in there sort of... Um, Lord of the flies. Yeah, <laughs> very much <laughs> so, actually. And then uh, management by committee. And I just observed a lot of meetings for meeting's sake. So everyone's always in a meeting. And, yeah, yeah. And um, so culturally, they'd obviously had a lot of change of leadership and there was a lot of people who have been there a long time. They had invested 10 million into the business, which mm-hmm. was, which was, you know, attractive to me because it meant we could um, refocus brand. And um, what I didn't know is what a lot of that had been burnt up already within Ooh. a few months, okay. um, on just cash flow, right. Um, year one, I always said to the team is about putting a, a sustainable platform in place mm-hmm. to put the brand back on a firm footing, whether we'll manage to do that, we'll see, but you know, that's the aim. Yeah. Um, and you know there was a lot of consultants in the business, which sometimes happens when you're and mm. I don't want to say anything about consultants because they're very. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm as down on them as anyone else. I've been a consultant myself, and I probably will be again. So um, I'm not dishing consultants. But you know there was a lot of cost and spend. So you know I've taken about two million out of central overhead, Great. without sweating an asset, really. Um, and you know a lot of money being spent on things that were just not the right thing to do so it's it, it yeah. i've had to rein it all back in and i've actually said to the, the whole company just after christmas that i've probably stopped things that were really good mm. that were rewarding so let me know what i've stopped that you'd like to bring back in yeah because you have a tendency to you've got to go to a certain direction to get yeah. your message across haven't you?
0: yeah i mean i think you have to hit the reset button yeah at some point had it yesterday i was going through budgets a client, and i looked at the marketing plan and the marketing plan felt like marketing for marketing's sake.
1: Correct, that's what I saw, yeah. But
0: then you look at the objectives of what they want to do and none of that is actually addressing what they actually want to do. And it's like, that's not going to happen by luck, you know? So there's something liberating about
1: just chucking everything away and sort of building the budget back up again. You know, that's quite exciting, I think. Yeah, no, very true. And I think there were some really passionate people. there, Mm. There still are some really passionate people. And I think what... You know, I, I probably wasn't particularly popular at first, but you've got to make tough decisions. I'm not in there to make friends. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually, as I said to him, I'm here to save your job because unless there's that, unless there's incredibly swift, fast, decisive action, yeah. this business won't exist. And then a few weeks after Jamie's went under, we sort of, everyone sort of thought, actually, maybe we're not invincible. Yeah, yeah, set up a little bit. Yeah. So what,
0: in terms of culture then, you know, what did you look to? Because you've done brand work. Mm-hmm. You've done extensive food work. mm mm-hmm. Um, Etc. Et so what was the first
1: move on the chessboard? I think uh, the first move is always to get your people set, because unless you've got the right people, um, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we look at the people, obviously Sophie in terms of the food, so we've done a lot of work on the food with the vegan patties, with the new bread, mm-hmm. new fries, skin on fries, new seasoning, some exciting dishes coming on in two or three weeks' time. So a lot of work on yeah. the food. Just, just staying on Sophie yeah. for a bit, though, I mean, that was a
0: messi ronaldo signing
1: it right? was and i can't take any credit for that that was uh done before was I joined. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah but huge news yeah. huge pr yeah super well respected and both the foodie groups and obviously outside of that has you know so there's a lot of power in that signing alone it, it sent a message to Absolutely. say this is you know this is you know, proper ho ho but you know this is this is real we're not just hiring another exec chef no, i mean no. it felt like a name you know
1: no absolutely and i think it's about making a statement i think we've done the same with our brand director richard mm-hmm. who you know who was um innovation director and uh md at uh, mary porter's consultancy right yeah great uh, so richard's been on board now three months and you know we've just got our, the annual marketing plan is just all pulls apart from where we've been, yeah, yeah. And you know, he talks about how Byron was a trailblazer when it started, and you know, Movember came from Byron, yes. and the whole, you know, the whole innovator and cultural trendsetter. It was even just your t-shirts, you know, yeah. seeing
0: pickle, and you know,
1: that was a that was a big deal, massive. You know? And um, you know, he's he he's mission statement oh, I've given each of my director's got three KPIs it's all about clarity so you know he's got three things to do but his big one is to make buyer and market leading again mm-hmm. make it innovative and drive the PR so that we are the cool place to go again yeah well the in, there's a
0: couple of things in that I mean there's a lot in it but it's a cute move right hiring a marketing person from outside the industry because you know and again I'm part of it now and whatever but Back then, Robin hired me into EO because I'd been at lastminute.com. Yeah. And I knew nothing of food and drink and bricks and mortar and, you know, so I'd flogged holidays and was a loan shark at Bartley Carr, right? So, it, but it's a cute move because you can figure out the hospitality, but, but having that outside brain, I mean, from Mary Portis training, I mean, Jesus, it's better yeah. than someone who's just done the rounds. Absolutely. You no. Know? And
1: um, he was a fan of the brand anyway, yeah. which also helps. Um, but, you know, even now we've done some, you know, you know better than I do. It's about lighting small bonfires around the country, and suddenly they all ignite, and mm-hmm. you, you've got the power. And you know, we've, he's done some really good things already. We had a Burns night in um, in Covent Garden, <laughs> very good, where we piped in the burger, the Haggis burger, <laughs> and you know, it was great. And uh, you know, we hosted some PR people and some influencers, and what they liked was we did it in the middle of the restaurant. We didn't have a private room, so actually, yeah. the other guests joined in. And we got the whiskey to sponsor it and it was a great night and massive PR just for one restaurant yeah. doing, you know, Burns Night in London. Uh, we've just done a great thing in York with the Viking Festival and um, there's lots of things happening, mm-hmm. which is great. And some big things coming up over the next few weeks when we launched the new menu. And, um, yeah, just having that insight into not just being restaurant or hospitality focused and regurgitating the same old initiatives it's that fresh pair of eyes and fresh thinking and challenging that's uh, really exciting and what did you do to get to the heart of the brand again so was there
0: brand dna work was there an agency involved was that you know how did you
1: uncover all that again yeah you you i've talked about consultants earlier Mm. but there's the over the last couple of years there's been a lot of money spent on the brand work and it's just sat on a, on a hard drive Yeah. so actually Richard came in and read through the whole lot and um, our investors are heavily invested in the retail and fashion world so they have uh, a big interest in brand mm. um, so they've done a lot of work in the new, look, new design before I came on board um, I fine tweet the values with the team so everyone bought into it can you see what they are? um probably i'll wait on that one if that's, that's okay, okay if yeah, that's okay because we're, we're we can I mean, always put it in the show notes this hasn't yeah, gone no, out for I months think, so you know, yeah. we, we've got three to six values in terms of the new brand proposition Great. um i can share one which is about you know bringing everyone together around the table yeah all hail table because that you know doesn't matter if you're a vegan doesn't matter if you're a meat eater Yep. Actually, in the day of delivery, we just want people to get round and have fun, yep. social interaction around a table. And the logo reflects that, right? Yes. So the logo is, if you didn't work it out, is the letters of Byron seating around a table yep. with a gap so that people can join. So at Christmas, we can maybe on the, have an interactive Christmas tree coming to join at the table or a cracker yeah. coming in or whatever. Gives you license. Who did that again? Uh, it was with a design engineer called CK. Um, who was it do CK? A, yeah, yeah, do a lot of um, retail stuff. So yeah. that branded... Already been decided. Obviously, I saw it before I joined. Yeah. Um, but richard's sort of come in and tweeted a bit, and you know, as I said, I've just been presenting at every hour meeting. I said, "Well, you know, there's some great things in the past that Ooh. have been lost that we want to. We don't want to reinvent the wheel because this was a very successful brand. They yeah. got sold for 125 million. You know, it was doing something right. um You know, they've got beer belonging, and Byron was quite a, a big thing at the time, and. Actually, that's great. Beer, burger, belonging. Yeah, you know, let's not throw away some of the great stuff that's happened in the past. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of work gone into the brand, um, and now, you know, it's now interfacing that into everything we do. So, um, I segmented the estate; it'd never been segmented before. So, our recruitment, so Richard and our new HR team, you know, if we've got some neighbourhood restaurants. That takes a different GM skill set to running central London. So you want someone who knows people by name, etc. And actually, are we recruiting that? How are we living the values there? Mm -hmm. So there's a big piece of work going on in our recruitment, intermingles with our marketing and in our operations, and getting all that in sync. That's and then
0: you know, just thinking about you know, digital and and online. You know, the the little sort of viral video that you did went quite far. I mean, certainly in the trade, if not beyond. But everyone was sort of talking about it. You know, when that came out. Early doors, when when you launched the logo, oh, you yes. had a little wee short, yep. and and it said all hail the table table yeah yeah. So it, it said all that, but the, you know that really stood out as as a mark. Like you know, we're changing. Do you know the one thing that everyone says about Byron if you ever mention it was the playing cards? Yeah, you know they collect the collector set, and you know, and it, that is massive. A great
1: example of they the. the Somebody who works on brand for the investors took it out, and I said, No, no, people love this. So we've put it back in. It doesn't have an ROI. It doesn't have a, you know, it's
0: just a. And you know, we have people,
1: there's a gentleman up in the Northwest who has a Byron tattoo, actually had a Byron fan at his wedding, and he has every single playing card. Wow. Yeah. I mean,
0: it was, it was, it was such a, such a big deal that. And it is just getting people to reappraise, you know, and come back, you know, um, and keep coming back. So I was just thinking as well about, you know, talent and, and and all that stuff. So in terms of you having, you know, the Plan B events for the future, female leaders, hiring centennials and millennials and all that lovely stuff, um, what's on the plans for you? Because I guess you're firmly a millennial brand at heart yep. um, in a lot of ways, or people that want to be a millennial. Um, and then obviously the younger set comes through. And generations. Yeah, yeah, them. yeah. Centennials, yep.
1: So, sorry, what was the question? I
0: just, it, well... A lot of it just about hiring being an amazing employer how you i guess attract recruit and retain
1: yeah the best people out there I think so um, one of the things we've had to do is change our hr team for various mm. reasons um so the new team really only started in december um but they've they've gone away and you know they've we've come back with this a sort of strategy which and then the day you can talk about the company and the culture but It's what's in it for me. Mm. Doesn't matter who you are in a company, what is in it for me. Mm. So we've developed um, a very simple model, which is, um, you know, select me, choose me, sorry, choose me, grow me, reward me, and listen to me. Mm -hmm. And we're building an HR strategy around that. And there's lots of quite exciting things in that without giving away too many secrets that we're working on. Um, And that's just getting launched as we speak now. And, everyone is fighting the same war (laughs) on trying to attract people so if we can do it internally fantastic and we do have a um um a philosophy we don't recruit head chefs oh so we only promote head chefs internally Wow, because then they're already part of the brand and the business so we don't go external to head chefs and uh, i remember going back a couple of years at cdg you know there was a price war going on and Wagamama's would pay your head chef 10 grand more for him to leave you. And you know yeah. you, then they'd come back and it was just like getting crazy out there. Um, so we, you know, we don't recruit head chefs accidentally. We develop yeah. our own. And I think that's an important step really. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, you know, the HR culture is ever evolving. We're trying to do things differently, better to attract people. Um, but I think it all comes down to culture, doesn't it? You know, you, we've touched on a few brands uh, during our chat or before we came on air and, um, you know, you could see it where certain brands suddenly a lot of their GMS were contacting us. Okay, but maybe that might be the leadership style. Yeah, maybe yeah. what's going on in there, but it goes in swings and roundabouts. Yeah. And I think um, we have got to get our brand and our culture and what we stand for out in the business, yeah. and um, that takes a bit of time. Yeah, no, I, I, it certainly will. But yeah, you've been, you're doing all the right things
0: hopefully, for sure. Hopefully. From Supersonic Inc Kink. This is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Forth. Forth is the leading hospitality workforce, inventory and analytics provider. Forth effectively manages your employees journey using its integrated workforce management system. Forth also improves your organizational efficiency by streamlining and managing all of your purchasing and inventory. And Forth Analytics gives you instant insight to make better business decisions all from your phone, tablet or your computer. Transform your hospitality business today. Go to Forth.com now. And then what about, um, you know, female leaders of the industry, you know, trying to obviously support that, you know, rewarding star performers at each site. There's a the plan B
1: stuff going on with, with Holly and yeah, Anne and yeah. all that. So you know? I think, you know, we've. Our, my leadership team is 40% female um, and it certainly covers the demographics uh, between the fivers. So I have a very young FD. She's in her 20s. Um, obviously, I've got Sophie. I um, then got Dave Pepper who's running operations, who's uh, north of uh, fifty-five, um, <laughs> yep. and myself, and then obviously Richard who's joined from um, Mary Porters yep. and uh, he has a husband, and you know. So I'm hoping I've got quite a lot of the, the demographics, eclectic, mix, eclectic yeah. mix, which is really important, and we all challenge each other. Uh, Plan B, yeah, I've been involved with um, Holly and Anne. It's a fantastic, yeah, program, and um, I've got two uh, people I'm mentoring at the moment, great, which is great, and um, both with. Different needs and challenges, um, and it's just nice to give something back. I think really yeah. um, and help people. And actually, the one thing I don't know if you're familiar with what happens at a Plan B event or not. It's a bit like speed dating.
0: No, uh, oh, <laughs> uh, do you know? I do know. I, I've got a couple of people who were mentees. Yeah, and they were
1: telling me about it. Yeah, people, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's a bit like speed dating, and then you select who you like to be you know. there, etc. But I think the one thing that struck me was that the, you know all. Bar, one, bar none, we're all very talented ladies, but 90% of them lack confidence. Yeah. And um, that is... I don't know if that's just a cultural mindset of what's happened over the last 20, 30 years, and mm. it takes time to... I don't I don't have the answer, but that's part of my role, is just to say, actually, you know, back yourself.
0: Yeah. I, oh, yeah, that's a whole can of worms. I mean, I think... In terms of marketing... If they are marketers, I mean, sure, there'll be mm. all different disciplines within mm. Plan B, but it's the marketers that I knew. You know, it's also a lack of confidence in your own discipline mm. as well, because, you know, yourself, you know, a lot of these businesses are pretty much ops led. Yeah. And you're a promotions jockey rather than a true marketer. Yeah. Um, so then you're just beaten down like a whipped horse or dog, you know? Um, so that's one factor. And then I've been on a few sort of. Um, Away days and panels and things like that, where it was a good mix of people. But they did cover things like, what if you go off in kids' career on hold? Why is it that you're expected to look after people, and not the guy? And you know, and there's just there's a myriad of problems. But just anything that all of us can do. But it's it's it is the the industry hopefully is slowly changing. But you go, you know, you know yourself. Went to pub if you went to publicans last night. What's the percentages on that mm-hmm. of you know,
1: Got to be 75, isn't it? I don't
0: yeah, know. Probably. I don't, I don't. You know, so th- there's that kind of thing. So yeah. it's going to take, it's maybe going to take a generation to fix it. Um, but, you know, hopefully we'll get there. And, you know, by Anne Holly and, and all of you guys and girls, you know, women, giving your time. To that's brilliant because i think nisha's involved isn't she and laura maybe from caravan and yeah the, there's all oh, this there's,
1: there's a plethora of people involved. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah future yeah. guests
0: as Absolutely. well Absolutely. yes they're Absolutely. coming on yeah. they're coming on um and then what about sort of uh, the 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 menu innovation side of things you know so again super famous for that yep. you know in terms of like was it b-rex there's, all yeah, all there's that many stuff.
1: there's many burgers that People bring up and say, "Oh, bring that a back, legendary. bring that back." And then when you look, actually, what was in them, we've virtually got the same burger on with maybe one ingredient different, right. or something else, but improved it. Yeah. Um, so you know, we've got um, a great new chicken burger coming mm. on, which is a, a very classic, and uh, so developed a chicken crackling on it. Oh, right, yeah, <laughs> it's, it you know it takes you back. It's a fantastic chicken burger, and then we've developed a, a flat iron steak as well. Great. That uh, sounds good. Oh, so, so
0: I guess the proper foods liberate new yeah, to widen we'll the menu. Yeah, we'll always be famous for burgers, but
1: yeah. it's just about tweaking it and just, yeah. you know, having something else um, with the salads. And there's a really good grain salad on there. The flat steak is a really good quality. It's, you know, we only serve it so pink. Flat steak on its own? Or it's, in a bar- it, or just no, no, it's flat iron steak on a yeah. plate. It's uh, umami butter, which is a six cents yeah. uh, on top of it. Great. Um, it's served with skin on fries, only served pink. And it comes with a new corn and feta salad. Great. Um, just when you're saying
0: about the chicken crackling, there's um. Oh, is it bone daddies?
1: There is a bone
0: daddies. I think they call it cock scratches or something <laughs> like that. It's like sounds like a, some <laughs> kind of ailment. Anyway, you know, <laughs> it says don't call it that. You know, I think you're you're well, saying the with, right thing.
1: With, with, the, uh, <laughs> with the PR history of Byron, we, we, think, uh, we actually did um, a Valentine's promotion about threesomes, just saying that actually if you book for a table of three or more. Um, we'll buy your drink. Different. Well,
0: I really like, um, I mean, just the, it was the B Rex, wasn't it? Yes. The market, like some of the early, just the posters, like were iconic. Yeah. I mean, that B movie sort of, you know, transfers kind of thing was just like so lodged in your memory of Correct. that was a home run, yeah. you know.
1: So yeah, just as uh, yeah. Now Richard's got some good things you know going. His first campaign we he had me at Illumi, is just uh, oh I seen that yeah yeah, yeah in February and uh, March we're just developing our Byron Club and um, the rewards around that. And then he's got some great stuff coming uh, for the new menu where we're not only uh, highlighting dishes on there but also the people behind the dishes great and about bringing the people to the forefront of the marketing as well
0: yeah yeah and then you know what they're talking about now is you need like 80 to 100 posts a day on social to stand out so it's all that fodder you know you want uh, all of that good stuff stories and yeah behind the scenes and and all the rest of it and then you know just thinking about um you know the, the the last few things then What's the next steps for Byron? You know, what's
1: going to happen sort of going forward? I think, um, you know, we have to be realistic. We're in a turnaround situation. We've got a, a very under-invested estate. So if you look historically, when and Collins bought the business, they ploughed all their cash into expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just refurbished one site and that was 12 years old. You know, yeah. without refurbishment. Uh, we're just doing Oxford at the moment, which... Um, Is a bit newer, but again, you know, we've got a tired estate. We've got a highly competitive market, uh, and burger is the best-selling item on virtually every casual dining brand's menu. Yeah, Um, we've got coronavirus that's just hit. Yeah, so you know, being realistic, we just want to get. As I said at the start, my ambition in year one is just to build a platform that we can then build the business
0: Stability, yeah.
1: But, you know, we're doing an enormous amount of good things and it's lighting little bonfires. And my experience tells me it takes between 12 and 18 months before you hit that sales line traction. Because, you know, if a customer comes, what, once, twice a year, they haven't been yet where it's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And it just takes that amount of time to get a business turned around. But, you know, we're in a good place. The plan is on track. This, obviously, coronavirus has hit us off course. Well, at
0: least thankfully, your food is deliverable. Yes. Um, there's many restaurants that obviously yep. aren't, so that might help in some ways. And if delivery start, you know, reducing their fees,
1: yeah, <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just got a new contract with delivery. We have got a very good relationship. Good. Um, wh- one of the earlier appointments last year was to bring in a head of online and digital, which Brilliant. the business never had. Uh, and she's doing a great job. So we've had three record weeks on delivery, um, but that great. could be to do with our eating being down as well. Yeah um yeah so you know we i think you know as in answering your question it's exciting plans trying to really you know turn the business around but we'd like something to go for us Mm -hmm. um uh, you know when i joined i wasn't aware of you know the tragedy we had with the death and obviously we had all that to contend with um, you've had a few blows um during the course of the autumn and you, you just never know you can't measure what effect that has on the business yeah um and as i say with um it's been uh one thing after another we've unearthed as yeah. you go along when you change people of what's you know culturally been happening and what hasn't been happening or what you think's been happening and um so i think we've weathered a a pretty intense nine months yeah and uh we were only saying a few weeks ago it seems like we're coming out of it and getting green shoots and then um coronavirus has hit us so yeah. uh I'm looking forward to H2. getting over this. <laughs> Still having a, a business, uh, you know, to operate and uh, a bit of s- summer weather and feel-good factor in the UK would be nice. That would be lovely. Yeah.
0: Um, so, last couple of questions, I was just going to ask you, and then I'll let you get off into the rain. Um, so, we do a little section called Mark out of ten. Yeah. Um, where we just ask a couple of questions
1: about your likes. Best city to eat in? Got to be London. Yeah. Um, I'm fortunate I've traveled a lot of places in the world and um, I think London has everything yep. you know I think um, you, there isn't another city in the world where whether it's a Monday night or a Saturday night you can do whatever you want at whatever time mm-hmm. and you know I think it is the culinary capital of the world now I mean you know, New York's great and various European cities great I love you know the northern part of Spain and San Sebastian and places yeah. like that but I think London has to be the best city in the world yeah no, and I'm a
0: northerner and I still think it's <laughs> the best city in the world <laughs> that's saying something yeah
1: best restaurant in
0: what's the you, world or, well, do, or you? I in recently
1: just for you what's your best uh, restaurant I think that'd be really hard to say I had an amazing meal the other week actually mm-hmm. in a very unexpected place so I was out in half term in Miami and I went into a little Havana uh-huh. and there's quite a famous restaurant there called Versailles Okay. and it's sort of Cuban street type food and when I when i um it, it was nothing like i imagined as i drew up in the car i was like you could be on a retail park in yeah. the uk here that's <laughs> we made the wrong choice why am i <laughs> going to and we could think of various brands on retail parks that it looked like from the outside and um actually it's called versailles because it's so ornate inside and it was incredible miami's an expensive city but the food was incredibly cheap and i just had a a, a pea and chorizo soup which is like my grandmother used to make you know, the thick yeah, pea yeah, and yeah, ham yeah. soup and some Stand meatballs spirit, it? and pailer. Yeah. And it was like $3.50. And the flavours were just amazing. And I thought, no wonder this is the most famous restaurant in Miami. <laughs> so, recent memories that anyone who ever goes to Miami, go to Little Havana and go to that Versailles. And it's the most quality, value-for-money food you can ever have. Need to check that out. Uh, best dish? What would be your go-to dish? Oh, the best meal I've ever had in my life was when I worked out in the Caribbean. And we had a day off and we went, deep sea fishing and we caught a yellowfin tuna and i was with the exec chef in the four seasons it was a friend of mine and uh, he said right it's your birthday come in for dinner tonight and i'll cook you this and he cooked his seared yellowfin tuna with a lobster risotto that was pretty good Jeez, <laughs> fresh from the ocean <laughs> I probably I could probably have the same dish 500 times it never tastes the same it was just yeah, in that moment it, it happened the, to everything. be my birthday it was uh, it was um, a beautiful day and you sat in the Four Seasons in, the, in Nevis in the Western is having the most amazing meal sounds amazing um, and then drink was your go to? Oh, well if I'm in the north I'll drink real ale would you? you any know, particular brand? Uh, historically it was always Boddington's that I cross the border and have a decent pint of Teppers now and again Uh or Timothy Taylor but if I'm in London um, I'm a sucker for a vodka martini Uh uh-huh
0: just was it One's, one's not enough two's too many However, they say. Yeah, I,
1: I, I never get that right. <laughs> <laughs> is it four, is it five, before is, I start slurring? Is there somewhere that you, prefer, like, uh, does the best one? Uh, Brand's Hotel does a pretty good one, but uh-huh. it's about 25 quid a go, so you can't have too many. Not too many, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that will slow
0: you down. Yeah. Um, so the very last thing was actually, to finish off, was, was was just talking about, you know, some tips for people who are looking to go in the career direction that you have. Yeah. Um what should they do? What's the right steps? You know, what, how can they best prep themselves to I be think, a CEO? Um,
1: I think um, it's a fantastic industry. And you know, I've done some, come back to my old union, done some talks and lectures. And, you know, you're looking at 16-year-olds who don't know what to do with their life. Yeah, And I say, there's not many industries in the world where you can go anywhere in the world. Mm. You can travel. You've got such diversity. You know, you can work in kitchens in marketing you can work in maintenance design operations bar cocktail making you know there's so many aspects to this fantastic industry yeah and do you know what it's littered with people who have worked their way up qualifications mean nothing in our industry it's about people skills it's Mm -hmm. about hard work it's about being humble it's about you know being in it to 100% and yeah. loving it. Um, and you can't get that in any other industry. It's fast paced and it's yeah. exciting. So I think for anyone, it's if you've got a passion for it, stick at it. And the stereotype of it's what people do when they fail array levels because yeah. it is is just bullshit really. Yeah. And it's a fantastic industry with great people. Nice. So it's been a real pleasure. It's been so uh, good to see you. It's yeah, been likewise. so long. Likewise. Thank you um, very much.
0: Thanks for sharing your story. And, I wish you well, and I'll watch with interest. So, Thanks, Mark. Good luck. Appreciate it. Thank you. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thank you so much to our headline partners, Engage Interactive from Leeds. They, to me, are the best web agency around. I've launched a couple of very successful projects with them, and they're really worth talking to. If you need anything doing from the social side, Website, SEO, PPC, CRM, apps. They're really the guys to talk to. Working with amazing brands like Arc Inspirations, Taylors, Yorkshire Tea, all different things. So definitely try and talk to Engage if you can. Huge thanks also to our premium partner BDO who've supported us all the way since Series 1. If you've got any accounting queries, mergers and acquisitions advice, growth of your business advice, do give them a call. Thanks also to you for listening, sharing, rating and reviewing as usual. Really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who's stuck with us in series one and is continuing to spread the good word about series two. Thanks to Gaz and Gabby for all of their hard work in putting the podcast together. I know it's a rush most weeks, but I really, really appreciate all that you're doing. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off bless you for listening thank you for taking the time to check me out and check out the podcast i really hope that this episode more than ever has helped you gain some real value and insight that will help your brand boom